Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the first epistle of Peter, reading there in the first chapter, beginning at the thirteenth verse. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends, in Christ Jesus. And I need not tell you that it is a good morning. And we do thank God for this beautiful day, and I hope that all of us are glad that we have an opportunity to be here in God's house and to worship him at this time. You have heard it mentioned today as the third Sunday in Lent, and it's called Oculi Sunday. You may wonder where it gets that name. Uh, Pastor Basler read the intro at the altar, and in the Latin, the intro begins with the word oculi, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Oculi means eyes, so today is Eyes Sunday, taken from the first word in the Latin in the intro for this Sunday. And the text that I just read to you is very appropriate for this day and also for this season of the church year. It is taken out of the first letter of the Apostle Peter, the big fisherman from up Galilee way. And we find Peter writing to the Christians of his day, and in the words that I read, he is issuing a call to holiness. He is writing to the Christians of his time, and he is saying, but he says, as he which hath called you is holy, he says, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. He tells the Christians of his day, he says, listen, Christians, he says, God is holy, and therefore you must be holy. If God is holy, you've got to be like him. You must be holy. You must be no less than little gods. You must be no less than God's saints in your conduct, in your Christian life, in your way of life. And then he says, and this is exactly what the Scripture says. And he quotes from the Old Testament. God says, he says in the Scripture, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you and I turn back to the Old Testament, to the book of Leviticus, we find that in the 11th chapter, in the 19th chapter, and in the 20th chapter, God says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And today on this Sunday, the Apostle Peter, the big fisherman, from up in Galilee way. He speaks to you and he speaks to me from the word of God and he says, so be ye holy. He says to you and me in the call, you've got to be holy. You've got to be without sin. You've got to be without spot. You've got to be without blemish. You've got to be without fault. You've got to be no less then, little gods, you've got to be God's saints in your Christian life. And you and I may stop a moment and may bother us. We may say, how in the world could the Apostle Peter ever call to you and to me that we are to be no less than holy? Without sin, we've got to be without spot and without blemish. We've got to be no less than little gods. God's saints in our Christian life. And we may say, he can't mean me. And you may say, he can't mean you. 
surely, oh, it just can't be because, isn't this our reaction? Say, why, it's utterly impossible for me to be holy. How in the world can I be a little God? How can I be one of God's saints in my Christian life? I sin every day. And then sometimes there comes a sinking, hopeless feeling within us, doesn't there? And we say, how can Peter? And then reminding us that the Word of God teaches the same thing. How can he call to you and me this morning? You've got to be holy. You've got to be without sin. You've got to be without spot. You've got to be without wrinkle. You've got to be without fault. You've got to be no less than little gods. You have to be God's saints in your Christian life. And we may say, but Peter, don't you realize that it can't be done, that we sin every day? But still, the Word of God calls to you and me today for holiness. Peter says, I want you to be holy. You've got to be no less than little gods. You've got to be God's saints. And all because he assures us that it is possible for you and me to be holy. It's possible for you and me to be without sin. It's possible for you and me to be little gods, God's saints, even though you and I sin every day. And Peter assures us you still can be holy. God doesn't ask the impossible. You can be holy if you call upon Christ for help each day. And let's look at it this morning. We may say to ourselves, before we give up in despair and say, oh, there's no use trying. How in the world can I be holy in my life when I sin every day? How can I be a little God in God's sight? How can I be like God? How can I be one of God's saints in my Christian experience when I sin every day? Peter says, oh, but you can. It isn't hopeless. God isn't asking the impossible in your Christian life. Bear in mind, if you turn to Christ for help, you will be able to be holy in the sight of God. You and I look at that this morning and say, how? Why, Peter, the big fisherman from up Galilee Way, in the first place, he reminds you and me that our Christ, what is he doing now? He pleads with our Heavenly Father continually for you and me for the forgiveness of our sins of ignorance in our daily Christian life. Oh, there's a feeling of despair that comes over us at times. Isn't that right? We say, you mean I've got to be holy? That I've got to be without sin? That I've got to be sinless? That I, in my Christian life, I've got to be no less than a little God? I've got to be one of God's saints? And we may say, how in the world can I? Look at my life every day. We may say, look at the things that I do wrong every day. We may say to ourselves this morning, look at the things that I'll do wrong today that I won't even be conscious of. I may say things that are wrong in the sight of God and, and not even know it. I may do things. I may think things that are wrong in the sight of God. How in the world can I, when I sin every day, even unconsciously, that my conscience doesn't even trouble me because I'm not aware of those things. How in the world can Peter call upon me and say, you've got to be holy. You've got to be a little God. Bear in mind, we stop and we say, it's still possible. What is Jesus Christ doing for you and me right now? He who died for our sins and rose again and went to heaven. What does the word of God tell us? It tells us that he makes eternal intercession for you and me. The word of God says that Christ at the right hand of God right now pleads continually to the heavenly Father for you and me as Christians that again that God would give us the forgiveness of our sins of ignorance. 
I like to call these things that you and I do wrong in our lives every day of which we're not aware. Our consciences don't trouble us because we aren't aware of them. And conscience only bothers when we do things that we know are wrong to know that we have Christ in heaven who continuously pleads to his heavenly Father, Father, forgive my children on earth their sins of ignorance that they are not even aware of because on the cross I died and I gave satisfaction for those sins too. Forgive them, Father, for my sake. And therefore that means this, that if in your Christian life and mind you and I call upon him and we say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins of ignorance that I do this day, there comes from him a constant uninterrupted flow of forgiveness that there isn't one billionth of a second in your life and mind every day. But what there is a constant flow of forgiveness from Jesus Christ to you and me, that again, your sins and mine as regards sins of ignorance, they are washed away that God never sees them. They are forgiven before again you and I even ask. We stand as Christians, as it were, like under the Niagara Falls, where it falls constantly and the water never stops. There is a constant flow of the blood of Jesus Christ to your life and mine. And that blood, again, forgives us if we turn and we ask him. It's continuous, not one billionth of a second in your Christian life and mine but what it flows. And therefore we can stand before him. Yes, you sin every day and so do I. But the Apostle Peter says you've got to be holy. You've got to be no less than a little God. You've got to be one of God's saints. And it is possible when you and I ask Christ to help because we've got a friend in heaven. And it ought to mean then this morning that we turn and we say, Peter, you're the big fisherman from up Galilee Way and you're calling for holiness. And we may shrink from that. We may say, oh, that, that's not for me. Well, the first thing we ought to do to ourselves is to say, I'm going to get rid of any erroneous idea of that a Christian who sins every day can't be holy in the sight of God. We ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to realize this, that it is possible, and that he means me. He means you this morning, and he means me. There are no exceptions. And we ought to say to ourselves, Evidently, my Christian life is tremendously important. You know, so often we may say to ourselves, because I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ and it's all of grace, he has done it all for me on the cross. We may say to ourselves, the Christian life is after all only of secondary importance and that when God calls for holiness that I am be no less than a little God, that I am to be one of God's saints, that he doesn't mean me. But he does, because Jesus, when he was here on earth, he taught you and me the tremendous importance of your Christian conduct and mine. Remember one day when he was hungry and he went up to the fig tree and he pushed the leaves aside and he was looking for figs on the fig tree and there weren't any. And then he cursed that fig tree. Oh, it was beautiful, but it had nothing but leaves. And that fig tree withered and it died. May you and I know this, that your life and mine, even though we sin every day, it's of tremendous value. But shall your life and mine be as the fig tree without figs, no fruit? Is there going to be no holiness in life? Is there going to be, again, that you and I are not like little gods in God's sight, that we are not God's saints? Then it means that at the last day, if he looks at you and me, he will say, nothing but leaves. I find no fruit. Your life has been anything but that holiness that I've asked. You haven't been a little God. And to have him spew us out of his mouth, 
We ought to realize this, that when Peter, the big fisherman from up Galilee way, when he again wrote in his day and he writes to you and me, he means you and he means me. Oh, we, we hesitate, don't we? We shudder at this thought. Holiness, how in the world can I, as a child of God, how can I ever be holy and without sin, without blemish and without wrinkle and without spot? How in the world can I do that? How can I be no less than a little God, one of God's saints, when I sin every day and... Peter says, well, that's what the Scripture teaches that you must be holy. And he says, oh, yes, it's possible. This is not an utter impossibility if we call upon Jesus Christ because Peter would remind us also in the second place that our Christ, who sits at the right hand of God, he pleads to the Father continuously for you and me that our Heavenly Father would forgive us our sins of weakness. We may say, well, I sin every day. Sure you do, and so do I. And we may say, well, just like St. Paul said one day, he said, the things that I, I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And the things that I ought to do, those are the things that I don't do. And then he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You and I say, well, God, you know that every day thoughts come into my mind that are not the kind of thoughts I ought to have. You know that. But what am I going to do about it? I don't want them there, but they come. God, you know as well as I do that I say things every day that I know I shouldn't say, and I didn't intend to do it, and it was not delivered, but I said those things anyway. God, you know that there are things that I do every day in my Christian life that are wrong in your sight. I don't want to do them, and I regret it when I do them, but I do them anyhow in weakness and Jesus says I understand of course I do I know that you're a sinner and I know that every day again you think things and you say things and you do things that you don't intend to you didn't want to do it but you did it in spite of yourself in moments of spiritual weakness and Jesus says I know that and that's why on the throne at the right hand of the Heavenly Father I plead continuously for you to my Heavenly Father for my sake to forgive you those sins of weakness every day. And therefore, you and I can be holy. We can be one of God's little gods, and you and I can be one of God's saints, even though we sin every day, because if we turn to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins this day, there is a constant, uninterrupted flow of forgiveness that there isn't a billionth of a second in your life and mine in 24 hours but what there is a flow of forgiving grace from Jesus Christ forgiving you and me every sin of weakness every thought word or deed that you and I didn't intend to do that was wrong that we can stand in the sight of God as little gods that we can stand holy and without sin because with that constant flow your sins and mine and weakness, they're forgiven as fast as they come into your life and mine. We are not out of grace and we stand before God as though we had never sinned. We stand as little gods, yes. We stand as God's saints. We stand as holy. We stand as being without sin because you see the blood of Jesus Christ that flows constantly when we ask him, it keeps your soul and mine wash whiter than snow. We ought to say to our souls this morning then, oh, in this call to holiness, I, I'm not going to shy clear of it, and I, I'm not going to say, well, that's not for me. He, he's not talking to me. He's talking to somebody else. That's for somebody else, but not for me. I, I don't have to be holy. I can't be. But the old fisherman from up Galilee way, he says, listen, you've got to be holy. You've got to be God's holy, isn't it? You've got to be like him. You've got to be no less than God. You've got to be no less than one of God's saints. 
when you and I say, I'm going to heed the call to holiness, he means me. He means you. And we say to ourselves, because it's possible then, in your life and mine, we ought to thank him, ought to thank Jesus Christ for the sacrament of Holy Communion, and it ought to be the greatest privilege in your life and mine, because it brings us the assurance that we are no less than little gods, that we are God's saints, and that you and I are holy, that we are without sin. Have we ever realized the blessing of the Lord's Supper? Jesus knew that the time would come in your life and mine, and we'd say, I call upon him every day, but I wonder if that constant flow of forgiveness is mine. I wonder if I am forgiven my sins of ignorance. I wonder if I am forgiven my sins of weakness. I wonder if I stand before God as though I were holy without sin. I wonder if his blood has really washed my soul whiter than snow. And Jesus knew that you and I would need assurance along life's way that we could say to us, I know that I, again, am a child of God. I know that I stand holy before God. I know that I am no less than one of God's little gods, that I am one of God's saints. One night, you know, he took bread and wine, didn't he? And he blessed them. And then he gave them to the disciples, and he told, take and eat. And he says, take and drink. This is my body. This is my blood. On the basis of the word of God, we know that the bread remains bread and the wine remains wine. But that both of them, Paul says, convey to us Christ's body and Christ's blood. We say to ourselves this morning, if I, in communion by means of lowly bread and wine, I get Christ's body and blood, what's so wonderful about his body and blood? Bear in mind, because of his body given in death and his blood shed in death on the cross, there has come to the world three tremendous blessings, the forgiveness of our sins deliverance of our soul from hell and the gift of heaven. And when you and I stand at his altar and we receive bread and wine and it conveys to us the real actual body and blood of Christ, then it brings with it these three blessings. God says, here is my son's body and blood. Here is forgiveness. Here is deliverance from hell. Here is the gift of eternal life in heaven. And Jesus says, just as certain as you are that you ate that bread and drank that wine, you know that there came my body and my blood. Here is assurance that you are forgiven. Your soul is washed whiter than snow. You are delivered from hell. You have the gift of eternal life. We can stand at God's altar this morning. And every one of us can say, just as certain as I receive bread and wine, I receive the body and the blood of Christ. I am holy in the sight of God, even though I'm a sinner. My soul has been washed because those two erasers, his body and blood, they have erased from your soul and mind every dirty, stinking thing that we've ever done. That we stand and God looks at us because the body and the blood have erased them from your soul and mind. And God says, I have nothing against you. You are holy. You are without sin. The body and the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, has washed your soul. And then there comes this peace of conscience and this peace that you and I, sinners though we are every day, that we can stand before God and we can say, yes, God means me. He wants me to be holy. I am to be no less than a little God. I am to be one of God's saints. And it's possible through Christ. Oh, the blessing of holy communion. The old big fisherman from Galilee way, he says to you and me, so be ye holy. He says, God wants you to be no less than holy. You've got to be without sin. You've got to be without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. You've got to be no less than God. It's little gods, and you've got to be no less than God's saints. And Peter says, it's possible. That's what the scripture says to it, calls you. You've got to be holy like God. You've got to be. 
and you and I may say, but oh, it seems so utterly impossible. That, that's not for me. That may be for somebody else. But Peter says, no, it's possible for you if you call upon Christ. Why? Because he also reminds you and me that our Christ who sits at the right hand of God, he pleads continually with our Heavenly Father for us. That again, our Heavenly Father would give us strength against any kind of deliberate sin and strength to grow in holiness. Well, may we stop for a moment, we may say, do we ever end our Christian life? Do we ever become holy that we don't sin every day? I know that there are some Christians that talk about perfect sanctification, that they believe that there comes a time in their Christian experience that they no longer think an evil thought, that they never speak an evil word, and that they never do an evil deed. That's not Scripture. St. Paul, who was one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, said this. He said, not as though I had already attained or were made perfect. He said, I'm a long way from having attained perfection. But he said, I follow after. There will never come a time in your life and mine as a Christian when there will not be sin. You and I up to this side of the Jordan, there will be sins. But we may say, how about deliberate sins? How about when I deliberately do wrong? Oh, those are not to be found in the Christian life. Whenever you and I deliberately do wrong, and when we persist in doing that which we know is wrong, then we've given up Christ. We're out of grace. We have rebelled against him. Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God, he says, I, I pray continually for you. There is not a billionth of a second but what I pray, that there is strength that whenever you are tempted to deliberate sin, that here is strength to say no. And he says, I also pray for strength for you that you may grow in your Christian life. It may sound rather incongruous that you and I are holy. We are no less than God's little gods. We are no less than God's saints. We are holy and yet we are to grow in holiness that the gap in your life and mine between perfection and where we're at may be closened and become less and less. That each day may find us a little closer to what we ought to be. Less and less sin. There is growth. And we may say to ourselves, do I ever reach perfection? No. But again, we have this assurance that when we turn to Christ, Christ says, I'll give you strength that no deliberate sin need ever come into your life that you have the strength to say no. And if you ask me, I'll give you my perfect righteousness that I earned on the cross. And I will add that again as you grow in holiness, never attaining perfection, however. And when I give you my righteousness, and it shall be yours continuously, there will not be one billionth of a second but what you have, my righteousness. Then your life with my righteousness, as you grow in doing the will of God, it will be perfect. You will be no less than a little God. You will be no less than God's saint as you stand before the Heavenly Father. What a Christ. We may say, oh, I, I shy clear of this thing of holiness. It, it just can't be. But oh, the big fisherman from up Galilee way, Simon Peter says, you've got to be. It's an imperative. It's an absolute essential. You've got to be holy. You've got to be without sin, you who are God's children. You've got to be no less than little gods. You've got to be no less than God's saints. And it's possible when you and I turn to Christ that as we grow in our Christian life in obedience to him, as we gird the loins of our mind and we say I've got discipline and I'm going to obey God and to know that there flows from Christ so that there isn't one billionth of a second in your life and mine that it doesn't come. There flows his perfect righteousness, 
that causes God to look at your life and mine, even though we are growing and we haven't attained, that we are holy, that we are no less than little gods. We ought to say then to ourselves, oh, this is my opportunity in my Christian life. This is the third Sunday in Lent. And this ought to be the Sunday then when I say, God, I'm going to heed the call to holiness. We ought to say, Christ, I'm going to turn to you every day for strength that in this quest for holiness that you will give me strength so that today my life will measure up a little better than it did yesterday. And that tomorrow I will be more saintly than I am today. That I'll be more like God tomorrow than I am today. And then, oh, what joy we'll find in holiness in living. Some of us may say, well, Simon Peter sure had a lot of nerve saying to the Christians of his day, you've got to be holy. You and I may say, don't you remember when in his life? You and I may say, go back to Caiaphas' court and to the courtyard the night of the betrayal. Who's he talking about holiness and being no less than little gods? You and I may say, remember that night when he was warming his hands and a maid said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he cursed and he swore and he said, I never saw Jesus before in my life. You and I may say, who's he to call for holiness? But you remember Jesus said your name is Simon when Jesus met him for the first time and he said you're going to be called Cephas the rock. You're going to grow. Here was a big fisherman and he knew the fisherman's language which wasn't Sunday school language but he grew, didn't he? Something happened in the life of Simon Peter. Yes, Pete Johnson, son of John, he grew, didn't he? And he's the man. You and I say he must have found out the joy of holiness, the joy of being a little God, the joy of kindness. And I believe if you and I could have lived that day and could have looked at him, there was, there was something Christ-like, there was something godly about him. It, it shone in his countenance. In your life and mine, there ought to be just something of Christ-likeness, oughtn't there? I remember on our trip that you folks gave us when I was pastor here 25 years, I wanted to go to... I went to go to Glasgow, Scotland, and I had several reasons. I had a professor that came from Glasgow and graduated from the University of Glasgow, but I also knew that this was the native land of the missionary whom I admire, David Livingstone. We got there on a Saturday afternoon. I, I wanted to go into uh, the University of Glasgow because I remember something that happened at that university with regard to David Livingstone. You remember David Livingstone was the one who went to dark Africa, and there again he preached Jesus Christ. And you remember the encounter with the lion, the lion that broke his arm and he had a withered arm. And he came back to Scotland trying to raise money for his mission, and the University of Glasgow decided to honor him with a doctorate. And I, I wanted to look at that platform because there was something about David Livingstone. There was a Christ-likeness. There, there was a piety. There was a saintliness. And in the European universities, we are told that whenever a man is to be given a doctor's degree, that there's a certain amount of heckling for the student body. They needle him in good-natured needling and heckling. But we are told that when David Livingstone stepped out on the platform at the University of Glasgow to be honored, that the student body at Glasgow University arose as one man. And there was a dead silence because there was, there was something Christ-like. There was something God-like in the face of a David Livingstone. 
When they sent Stanley, you know, to Africa to find David Livingston because they thought he was lost, Stanley was anything but a Christian man, he tells us. But he said, when I found David Livingston, there was a look in his face. You couldn't resist it. He said, I became a Christian. I bowed my knee to Jesus Christ. And when David Livingstone died and he did back in Africa, in the darkest Africa, you know, they, they took his heart out, the natives, and they buried his heart by a tree that he loved. They found him kneeling in prayer when he was dead. They carried his body to the coast and it was sent to England. They identified the body by the withered arm. They x-rayed it and said, this is David Livingstone. They buried him in Westminster Abbey and I stood in Westminster Abbey rather strange thing I wanted to see his tomb and in Westminster Abbey where the great of England are buried I was told that there are more people who asked to see the tomb of David Livingstone than of all of England's great he's buried right in the main nave one of the main aisles and I stood there at his grave and around again the beautiful granite slab are the words lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world you know they put it there because one day somebody said David Livingston aren't you afraid in Africa where you're the only white man within a thousand miles radius and he said oh no he said I have the word of a gentleman who said lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world and I, I stood at his tomb if you go there you want to be there Christ likeness yes one of God's little gods, one of God's uh, saintly ones, or that you and I may again have the joy of being saintly and godly and influence somebody for Jesus Christ and the joy that when he comes again, that it means an eternity of holiness. For only the holy shall see God and shall see heaven. Oh, yes, you and I sin every day, but we can be holy the big fisherman says, don't forget, you've got to be holy. You've got to be no less than one of God's little gods. You've got to be one of God's saints. Or if we could just begin each day finding joy in holy living in Jesus Christ, we could say to ourselves, after all, we are climbing Jacob's ladder, aren't we? That's what we're doing every day. We are climbing Jacob's ladder, soldiers of the cross. Every rung goes higher, higher. Every rung goes higher, higher. Every rung goes higher, higher, soldiers of the cross. Sinners, do you love my Jesus? Sinners, do you love my Jesus? Sinners, do you love my Jesus, soldiers of the cross? If you love him, why not serve him? Just be holy and serve him with your life. If you love him, why not serve him? If you love him, why not serve him? As soldiers of the cross, rise, shine, give God glory. Rise, shine, give God glory. Rise, shine, give God glory. Soldiers of the cross, Simon Peter, the big fisherman from up Galilee way, he calls to you and me today, be holy, please. Be no less than little gods. Be one of God's saints. May that be joy. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.